are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Monday edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is Monday, February 15th, and we got the creative wheels spinning this weekend. Kind of going through some mock draft scenarios for the Miami Dolphins. We took a little bit of a look at free agency, or we, I mean me, uh, your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire. What we've started doing, and we, over at the Draft Network, we have our, our scouting department, a couple former NFL scouts on staff, we have started going through what we're referring to as cross-checks, where everybody has a region that they're responsible for. And you write your player profiles, and then we set the order, and then we go back up to the top of the list, and we watch everybody collectively, and then you can grade players from outside your region. Well, one of the players that I watched this weekend that was not a a deep-dive player that I've done in the past was Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddell. And, uh... I'm going to pound the table for Jalen Wilde to be a Miami Dolphin is, is where this story is going. But how we get there is up for debate. Uh, of course, there are those who would advocate, uh, me being among them, trading out of the number three pick. Name of the game this offseason for the Dolphins is flexibility. Trading out of three gives you the most flexibility. But if the Dolphins fell in love with Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, We have not on this show had the conversation yet about trading up from 18. If the Dolphins want to stay put at three, they want to draft what they perceive to be an elite talent in Penny Sewell, great. Now, you got to go get a guy, right? So as I'm watching Jalen Waddell and I'm kind of going through the scenarios in my head of how does this player end up becoming a Miami Dolphin? There's the trade back scenario in which you probably, your wiggle room is like eight. And even then you're kind of at the mercy of teams like Philadelphia at six. You know, they need corner help, secondary help. They could go that direction instead. The Detroit Lions, definitely going to be in the wide receiver market. Cincinnati Bengals, if Penny Sewell's off the board because the Dolphins take him at three, would they take Jamar Chase at five? So now you could see Jamar Chase come off the board at five, Philadelphia go another wide receiver. Like, you might not even get one of these top three wide receivers. I don't think it plays out that way. But this is the conversation I'd like to have, more so beyond just Jalen Waddle. We'll have time to dedicate to how good Jalen Waddle is as a football player. Uh, a little bit closer to the draft. Obviously, we're a month away from free agency. There's a lot of things that need to happen. Right now, I just want to have the conversation about What does the trade-up market look like? Because if you trade back to eight, there is a scenario in which you get bit in the butt and you're left with Cincinnati comes off the board with a wide receiver, Philadelphia comes off the board with a wide receiver, Detroit comes off the board with a wide receiver. Now it's like, okay, do we draft Kyle Pitts? So if you stay put at three and you draft somebody, who are the partners available to the Dolphins depending on what else happens this offseason? And I'm sure there's going to be some smart guy or girl listening to the show that's going to say, well, every team in between 3 and 18. And technically that's correct. But I think there's some teams that are in the draft queue who are viable trade-back candidates that the Dolphins could target if a Jalen Waddle slides or a Kyle Pitts slides or a Micah Parsons slides. 
if the Dolphins want to be aggressive. Uh, and we really don't know how aggressive the Dolphins are going to be because we only have a two-year sample size, right? Year one for the Dolphins in 2019, super conservative. Uh, we're going to hoard a bunch of assets. We're going to trade away expensive talent. We're just trying to stack the deck to work with and move forward with, keyword, flexibility. They've already gotten to that point. And then we saw in 2020, they flipped the switch with everything other than top 100 selections. They were super aggressive. Traded up multiple times on day three of last year's NFL draft. Gave a record-setting contract to Byron Jones. Gave Kyle Van Noy a big contract. Gave Shaq Lawson a big contract. Gave Eric Flowers a big contract. We don't know what the identity of this front office is yet, and that clarity is going to come this offseason. Because the saying is, uh, you need three data points to establish a trend. Well, if the Dolphins come out and they're gangbusters again and they're super aggressive, the normal new normal for the Dolphins is going to be a lot similar to what we've seen their new normal be in the past in that they're going to be very aggressive. They're going to look to make splashes, but the difference being how they structure contracts and they flush the toilet and got rid of this 10-year backlog of trying to be a win-now team without the talent of being a win-now team. But if they come out and they kind of hold steady, you know, they're selective with their free agent signings, they're pretty thrifty, uh, they, you know, they have that conversation of potentially trading back from three, then maybe this scenario doesn't materialize. But we have to be ready for the gate to swing either way because we don't know exactly who the Dolphins are yet. So what I want to do today, talk about some of these trade-up partners. There were four teams that I identified in the queue between three and 18 that I think are home run candidates, depending on what plays out in front of these teams in free agency and the NFL draft, uh, to be in the market to move back and collect extra picks. And the appeal of having that many teams is you're inevitably going to pay different amounts of prices for where you go on the board. Some of these trade-ups, 36 is going to be required. And that's a tough pill to swallow in a draft class that I think the sweet spot of talent is probably between 20, 25, and 50. So the Dolphins, for this to materialize, would obviously have to love multiple players. Jalen Waddell, which was the catalyst of this idea for me and coming into Monday's show and having this conversation, is a player that I love and I think they will love as well. More so than Devontae Smith, hard to say. It's a long process. We got a little bit of time to figure that out. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even offers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds, and props on just about everything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. So who is the first prime trade up candidate? I'm glad you asked. Detroit Lions at number seven. So we talked about Detroit being a team that is a threat to take a wide receiver. But Detroit is also nowhere close. They are of probably, I would assume, based on their decision to trade 
Matt Stafford and what they got back. This is a team I anticipate is going to have the same mentality and approach as what the Miami Dolphins had in 2019. And they desperately need it because they brought in Matt Patricia, another Patriots disciple. And what they brought in was a bunch of scheme specific, very scheme specific to Matt Patricia, New England Patriots style uh, of defense, a bunch of effectively specialists, uh, defensive specialists to fit a certain kind of mold. And bringing in literally any other coach from any other tree, a lot of those pieces aren't going to fit, at least not commensurative to the value and the cost that Detroit brought them in to pay them for. So this is a team that needs to proverbially flush the toilet in the same way and in the same sense that the Dolphins did back in 2019. And if that's the case, yeah, Detroit, you need a wide receiver. But you can also go back and get Terrence Marshall or Rashad Bateman or Kadarius Toney or any of these other wide receivers that are kind of the second tier. And it's no sweat off your back if you are collecting enough future capital to make it worth your while. And that's the challenge for the Dolphins is if you were interested in moving up to Detroit because Detroit is of the school of thought that they want you know, as many future assets as possible, much like the Dolphins of 2019, you're probably going to have to give up a pretty piece to go up and get it. So a trade to Detroit at 7 from 18, what would that look like? What would that cost? Uh, Miami would obviously give up 18 as part of the deal, and you're moving up 11 spots in the order. You probably have to give up 36, but the appeal to Detroit is if they want future assets, you might be able to sell them on a three this year instead, which would be 81, and then a one next year. Now, do you feel comfortable doing that? Or would you rather just give up 36 and say, well, we'll still have 50 as a pick in the second round to work with? I think Miami is a team that has a little bit more in front of them this year potentially to work with. You might want to embrace, if you're going to be of the aggressive school of thought, keeping 36 for another player who can impact your team this year. Another layer on top of that, of course, is are the Dolphins one of those teams, and I anticipate that they will be, who trusts their player evaluation amid an unorthodox pre-draft process. Because there will be teams that say, well, we didn't get the data points we typically get thanks to the NFL Combine and lack of access at Pro Days. And we don't want to be all in on this class. We'd rather be in on 2022, in which we anticipate things will be closer to normal. I think Miami has enough respected minds in their building between Chris Greer and Brian Flores and Marv Allen and Reggie McKenzie, enough guys that have been doing this long enough and are established as good talent evaluators that they will probably favor their, their evaluations and trust we can get a hit at 36. The appeal of trading to Detroit is you get in front of Giants as a potential skill player spot, Dallas as a potential Kyle Pitts landing spot, Carolina and Denver not so much. Carolina's in the quarterback market, Denver's in the quarterback market. Chargers, offensive line, Minnesota offensive line, San Francisco probably offensive line, New England skill players. So the early portion of 10 through 20 
has a lot of teams that will be in, interested in the same pieces that the Miami Dolphins are. So a couple different ways that you can choose to do this. If the Dolphins hypothetically drafted Penny Sewell at three, say Cincinnati goes with an offensive lineman, Rayshon Slater, who is very well regarded on NFL insider circles. Philadelphia goes Jamar Chase. Miami could get their pick of Alabama wide receivers at seven. Could potentially keep 36, too. I think there's a lot to investigate with Detroit, specifically. That Miami should really be dialed in on and have the Lions on speed dial throughout this process, whether that is coming down from 3 or up from 18. Let's say that doesn't work out. Let's say the Dolphins, you know, regardless of who they pick, you know, there's going to be an offensive line market and there's also going to be a wide receiver market uh, throughout the top 15. The next team that I have circled is the San Francisco 49ers, but this one comes with a condition. I think San Francisco would have to strike out on the quarterback market for this to be in play. Uh, Because it seems as though they'd be interested in like high-level upgrades. They were somewhat interested in Matt Stafford. Uh, I don't think like Sam Darnold's a move that like they'd be chomping at the bit to do. But if they find themselves, they get on the board at 12, and Jimmy Garoppolo is still the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. Might be time to regroup. Might be time to, to get some more assets and load up a little bit to have a little bit more to, to make a run aggressively if you need to down the road. So if San Francisco ends up on the board at 12, Jimmy Garoppolo is still the starting quarterback. They know they need to build it and have as much pieces as they can to build around Jimmy Garoppolo to try and Uh, have the supporting cast necessary for him to operate at a high enough level to get them back to the Super Bowl. San Francisco may be a team on the move. Uh, They traded out of a teens spot last year to Tampa Bay. They went on to draft Javon Kinlaw one pick later, and Tampa Bay picked Tristan Wirfs. Kind of same spot. I believe this was 13 and 14 last year. San Francisco now this year picking at 12. The difference on these two spots on the trade value chart is 300 points. This is a really attractive spot for Miami if San Francisco is going to be comfortable with the pieces that will be there on the board at 18. Because at 300-point discrepancy, the value of the 50th pick in the NFL draft is 400 points. You could say, we'll give you a three in next year's three. We could say, we'll give you a three in next year's two. And again, the Dolphins can keep their draft picks They're high-volume pieces, and that's what the Dolphins avoided doing in 2020 was giving away these top 50, top 75, top 100 selections. And from a points perspective, it can work. San Francisco obviously has to be comfortable with who's on the board. They also have to uh, not have any of the the five teams in between 12 and 18 be interested in the trade-up as well because then you get into a bidding war and, and San Francisco could drop down less spots and still get an equal return. Who would be a target at 12? I think about offensive linemen. If the Dolphins chose to go with a wide receiver at number three, and then Penny Sewell goes at five, and then you have Philadelphia, and they go with a wide receiver, and Detroit goes with a wide receiver, and Carolina goes with a quarterback, Denver's not going to need an offensive lineman. They've got Lloyd Cushenberry and Garrett Bowles, and Juwan James is under contract at least at this point in time. Maybe Dallas goes Rayshon Slater, the offensive lineman, from Northwestern, 
But if he doesn't, the Giants aren't going to go offensive line. There's a realm of possibility in which Rayson Slater is the second offensive lineman is on the board at 12. If that's the case, this is all run pick because you're looking at two teams immediately behind San Francisco and the Chargers and the Vikings who will absolutely gobble up athletic offensive linemen if they're there. And the appeal for Rayshon Slater is he can play all five spots on the offensive line. So for a team that really is dialed in on getting the best combination of five, if you go wide receiver at three and Rayshon Slater's there on the board at 12, let's go get him. Let's go get him. You know, he's enough of a mover, people mover, at the point of attack. He can win in gap power concepts. Uh, but the Dolphins do uh, did, I should say, a lot of split zone and inside zone. And his athleticism to win and cross face and backside cut off and, and climb up to the second level. Uh, these are all things that are very translatable to what Miami's going to do. See the biggest? No. See a left tackle? Probably not. I'd like him the most in Miami playing on the interior. So San Francisco at 12, depending on how the board falls and what San Francisco is able to do at quarterback is another team that realistically could be in play for Miami. And depending on how the well dries up, I think those two teams immediately behind San Francisco, like we talked about, say San Francisco stays on the board and they run a lot of outside zone, wide zone. Slater's athletic enough to do that. If they draft him to play guard, right guard, in San Francisco, and the Chargers say, hey, we need offensive linemen. Uh, There's not really a tackle prospect that's commensurative with the, the 13th overall pick. Perhaps we want to get out. Uh, Miami could still jump another offensive line-hungry team in Minnesota, and they would also jump New England, who's skill player-hungry. So regardless of whether or not they took Sewell or a wide receiver early, it would make sense because there's motivation to get in front of either one of those teams. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change up in your diet, Visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Getting in front of New England is interesting because it opens the door for much more than just a wide receiver or pass catcher. Uh, Think of a name like Micah Parsons or even Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Uh, linebacker from Notre Dame, who I don't think is a great fit for Miami for the sense that if you're looking for a a stereotypical three-down linebacker, but if you're looking for hybrid players, players who can play in the box, who can play out in the slot, Owusu-Koromo is everything that the Dolphins don't currently have in a linebacker. And he's about 220, 225 pounds. So he's not the biggest dude. And if you were committing to Jerome Baker and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, then you really need to make sure you find your replacement for Devon Godchow, and you have that brick wall in front. Uh, But Micah Parsons, if he's kind of available in this early teens range, 
Uh, there's no questioning he would be a scheme and style fit for the Dolphins getting in front of New England, who uh, you know, they have much more pressing needs. But I also look at New England, and it's it's hard to get a thumb on what this team's going to look like. And obviously, if he's if Micah Parsons or a player like Micah Parsons or Jeremiah Wusukormo is of appeal to Brian Flores, they're going to be an appeal to Bill Belichick, considering Flores' background with New England. So those would be the teams that I would peg as the most likely trade-up candidates. Detroit at 7, San Francisco at 12, Los Angeles and Minnesota at 12, 13, and 14. If you want to make some magic happen and you want to get two picks in the first half of the first round, that's where you go. And of course, we talked a little earlier about how we need more information to kind of decode what the new reality is for the Dolphins as an aggressiveness from a front office perspective. Year three will tell us that. Um, But this would be a tendency breaker across the board. The only early trades that the Dolphins have made uh, in the top three rounds, the first two days of the draft with this regime, uh, we had the trade back in the second round of 2019, which ultimately then led to the Josh Rosen roll of the dice in which the Dolphins uh, pushed their draft, their second round pick from 2019 to 2020, a pick that later became Raekwon Davis. And then the team traded back from 26 to 30 to regroup after Cesar Ruiz and Brandon Ayuk came off the board right in front of them in last year's first round. This team has not moved up and given up premium assets. That's not to say it can't happen or won't happen. And if they do, it tells you a lot about where this team feels they are from a talent perspective and a readiness to contend perspective. It's going to be fun. Um, I think if the board breaks right, coming out of this this first round, if you wanted to say, hey, you know, you come out with a top, the, the top offensive tackle in my eyes in Penny Sewell and one of the Alabama wide receivers, I'm not going to get picky, but I am going to tell you I'm going to pound the table for, for Jalen Waddle this spring. Uh, that's a dream come true for Miami. The next step, of course, is to play some of these scenarios out. And we may do that at the end of this week. may be able to present a take a tackle and trade up scenario, take a wide receiver and trade up scenario, trade back from three and take a offensive lineman first or best player available first and trade back from three and take a wide receiver first. And go through the gauntlet of what those four draft scenarios would look like. I'd like to plan on doing that on Friday. But tomorrow is Power to the Pod, which means it is your show this week to bring your questions and topics pertaining to the Miami Dolphins to the table. You could tweet me at LockedOnFins with a PH, hashtag Power to the Pod. Or alternatively, you can leave a review of the show, preferably the five-star variety, and leave your question in the review. Either way, I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. I thank you for continuing to keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Monday. Fins up, everybody. Thanks for listening.